Brilliant. Please grab a seat. Um, we've decided to change the order of what we're doing. Um, we're going to do things like church news and kids takeover. We'll do that at the end, um, but we're going to have a bit of time now just looking at the Word of God. I think, I think as we look at this in John chapter 15, it's going to be really helpful for us on the back of where we've been worshipping and uh, where, we're, where we're up to uh, now. So why don't you, where you are right now, um, why don't you invite the Holy Spirit to come and speak to you and open up the Word of God? Why don't you tell Him that you're just open to what He wants to say to you? That, that, that it's, a, it's a free reign. God can say anything to you He wants. Are you up for that? You up for that? Excellent. Why don't you, in your own words, just express something of that to God, and then we're going to dive in. We're going to look at the Word of God. I don't know quite which bit we're going to look at, but we're going to see where we go. So over to you. You pray. And if you're at home, you pray as well. Any, anything God wants to say to you, you open book this morning. You know, the truth is, God will only take as much space as you give him. So even, even saying simply like this, this preach this morning, the impact that it has on your life isn't just dependent on how effectively I communicate. It's actually, actually when you read the Bible, it's much more to do with how receptive you are to receive the Word of God, how receptive you are. Um, uh, in a sense, are you approaching this with faith and expectancy or, or maybe just, well, Let's hope, you know, you may be coming and it's absolutely fine because I've done it when I've listened to preachers. I hope it's not too long this morning. So I, I just want to encourage you to approach this with a faith and expectancy today. We're following on from last Sunday where we looked at John chapter 15, Jesus being the vine, we are the branches. Jesus is the only true source of life. You will not find a true source of life anywhere other than in Jesus Christ himself. And we, as in the picture and the illustration that was used, if we actually pop up the vine and the branches picture, the illustration is Jesus is the stem of the vine. We are the branches that have been grafted in, and it's the life of Christ that flows within us that enables us to bear fruit. And if you're not grafted into Jesus, if you're not a Christian, you cannot be fruitful as described in the Bible. So that was the sort of illustration um, that Jesus used to describe something of what it is to be a disciple, um, a follower of Jesus. And we saw that the Father is the gardener, that he prunes us back. Um, never, never easy, but actually every single one of us, if we're Christians, we will have seasons where we are being cut back by the Father. Why? So that we'd be even more fruitful than we were before. He will prune off unfruitful parts of us in order to create space that we can be more fruitful in following Jesus. And then I finish by saying, look, we've got to remain connected into the vine. We've got to remain in a place where we are drawing life from the vine. So today we're going to carry on, but we're going to look at three essentials. We may only look at one essential, we'll sort of see how it goes, but we're going to look at three essentials if we're going to remain in the vine. Three essentials for discipleship. So let's, um, let's pull up the verses. Laura, leave the, um, leave the picture up, because I think 
then as I'm reading these verses, you think about your own life. You think about you being connected to Jesus, that life-giving source. Jesus said this, I'm the true vine, my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it be made even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, and I said that's one of the biggest challenges for us. Do you really believe that without being linked to Jesus, you can do nothing? If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now listen to this verse now that um, is incredible. Actually, if we could put that up, Laura, just to mess you around a little bit. So we're looking at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. This is Jesus saying it. He's saying it to his disciples there, but it also says it to us here. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Now remain in my love. Now, we're going to not read the rest of the verses, to be honest. I'm going to just dive into this, because I think that's where we're to be this morning. What does the Father's look like? For, what does the Father's love look like for Jesus? Think for a minute. What, what does it look like? Well, it's eternal. The Father has always loved Jesus. It's perfect. It says in John 17, 24, that Jesus said this, that the Father loved him before the creation of the world. The, the, word, the Greek word used here is agape. It's, it's, it's used towards God's love towards us, and it's, a, it's meant to be used of our love towards God and our love towards other people. And it's, it's, not, it's not the sort of love that we are familiar with around us. It's not the sort of love you find very often. It has a sense of God giving himself for us. There's a sense of God eternally giving himself for others. It is a self-giving love for the benefit of others. We see it in the Trinity. We see it in his love for people. And the amazing thing about God's love for us is that there is nothing naturally within us that draws his love towards us, if that makes any sense. So, you see, I don't know how many years ago, maybe 19, 20 years ago, I fell in love with Chloe, my wife, because she is lovable. To me, she is totally lovable. But there's something within her. I, I, my, my love for her was drawn out. But 
in God's love for us, it says there was nothing in us that drew that love out. It was a deliberate decision. Even, it says, even when, even when we were, it says we were dead in our sin, he loved us. There's no obvious attribute in us, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Just um, for a moment, just, Lord, I, I just ask you. Sorry, Simon, I feel very echoey. Is there anything you can do on that? Father, I just pray that we will, we will know your love afresh in our hearts. Lord, I thank you that your love is an eternal love. It is an unwavering love. His love is something that is expressed if you want to see, if you want to know how much he loves us, we're told to look at deliberate and definite actions. The cross, where he sent his son to die for us. This incredible act of self-giving love. But we also see it in adoption. I mean, how mad is it that I... I get adopted into God's family. That's a demonstration. That is a, that, that that's a reflects how great God's love is for me and for you. If you are a Christian here today, we see it at the cross. We see it at adoption. God's love for you isn't, isn't sentimental. It's not, it's not romantic. It isn't self-seeking. It isn't a wafer-thin love that might change because, I don't know, the weather has changed. It is an eternal, strong, definite decision. God says, I love you. I love you. It's unwavering. It says in Romans 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Jesus said this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Think about 1 Corinthians chapter 13 for a minute. Laura, if you're able to pop that slide up. This is what God's love, love is like for you. His love is eternally patient and kind. That's pretty good news. So as you sit here today... You, you might feel absolutely rubbish and fed up. You may know, actually, that you've, you've totally messed up with God. As you sit here today, his love for you is patient and kind. His love for you is an envious, both boastful, arrogant, or rude. His love isn't pushy. It isn't irritable. God will never be irritable with you. He may be angry with you, but he won't be irritable. He won't be resentful. His love doesn't rejoice in wrong, but rejoices in truth, in right. 
puts up with anything, believes all the time, hopes in the worst of circumstances, endures. It is a love that never ends. And I guess as we navigate our way through lockdown, as we are coming out of it, maybe, maybe we have struggled in ways we've never struggled before, maybe with anxiety, maybe with fear, maybe with depression, maybe, maybe you've been overstressed to the point where you just don't know which way you turn, an anchor in every single one of those and I do not say this lightly. I do not say this lightly. An anchor for this is the fact that God loves you. And as it says in, one, in, in John 15, Jesus loves you as the Father has loved him. Now, you, you may think, well, no, God can't love me that much. Or you struggle to really earth it in, but it is true. I, I, I plead with you to believe to, to step into, to believe that is true for you. It is an eternal anchor. And even, even if, you don't, if as a Christian you don't believe it right now, do you know what? When you get to glory, you'll look back and you'll find out that your pastor was right. You'll find that not even death could separate you from the love of God. And there are jewels in the Word of God that genuinely will make a difference to every, you know, to, to everyday life. But you've got to step in and believe them. You've got to, you've got to if, you're, if you're in unbelief, repent of that. Turn around and say, Lord, although I feel something completely different to be true, if your word says it and it is unshakable, I am going to believe it even if every morning it is a battle to try and get my head somewhere close to what it says in your word. Because, because it is true. Now, I am definitely laboring this point. And in actual fact, it's the only point I'm going to preach. So I hope you got something from it. Otherwise, you're going away with nothing. But... The reason I'm staying here and I'm not looking at the rest of John 15 is because I think that's what we really need to know. And, and for most of you, you know up here so well this stuff. You're, you're brilliant theologians. But there are fresh battles on a daily basis to take what we know here and allow it to settle in our hearts so that in the everyday cut and thrust and disappointments and difficulties of life, even if our emotions are going up and down and circumstances are changing by the hour, there is that deep, that rooted, that security of knowing, I am loved. I am loved by the living God and as the Father loves Jesus, so Jesus loves me. That is a wonderful, wonderful truth. Christ's free and continued and mighty love should be the home and abiding place of a believer's soul. I am loved 
and I'm at home in his love. And this is probably one of the biggest battles we face hour by hour and day by day is to know that love. To know that love, actually, it says in Ephesians chapter 3, that surpasses understanding. It's, it's nearly such an amazing thing, I can't get my head round how amazing it is that the eternal, glorious King of Kings, creator of all things, loves me. Loves me. And we're told, aren't we, in John 15, we have, well, actually, you don't, might not know it because we haven't read it yet and we're not going to, but it says we're to abide in his love, we're to remain in his love. That it's possible for you to come out from under the shade of it. That as a Christian, you are still loved by God, but you're not, you're not enjoying the shade of his love. You're, 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 you've, you've come out from it. Friends, let me call you back to enjoy the love of God. I'm, I'm going to finish it up there, I think. If I can invite the band back up, that would be absolutely brilliant. You, you may need to be thinking of some songs that we're going to sing in response. I don't know. For the rest of us, why don't we stand where we are? And if it's all right with you, Paul and Ross, I'd just love to minister for a little bit. Is that all right? Just for a few minutes. So why don't we stand? And if you're at home, why don't you stand? Because you, you may be a little drowsy if you're sat on the sofa. Father, I thank you that being part of the vine means being in your love and being loved by you. And it is a, it's wonderful news, Lord God. Absolutely wonderful, glorious news that that is the case. Lord, we're going to take bread and wine in a minute, Lord God, and remember your incredible death and what it, what it cost you that we might know the Father's love. And we are so grateful for it. I pray, Holy Spirit, please, right now, Lord, my, I feel my weak and feeble words are not enough to, to communicate your incredible, vast love towards us who believe. And I, I just want to ask you, we'd experience it right now. Uh, can I invite you just to raise your hands? Why didn't you just say, oh, oh, Holy Spirit, please fill me afresh with the Father's love. You can say it in your own words. There's, a, there's, a, there's an active response. Oh, Lord, I pray we would experience afresh. I pray we would experience afresh your wonderful unchanging, immovable love, I pray. Oh, come Holy Spirit afresh among us. I pray, Jesus, that your love would heal our brokenness. I pray it would ease our anxiety. I pray your love would lift our depression. We look to you, the life giver, the source of all life, that we might live life in abundance. We say, come, Lord God, have your way among us, we pray.